Do you know how many times I've sacked you? I remember the strip sack at the end of the game in 2016 very well. I remember that well. Thank you for um, taking a little bit of a, a hitch there. Just that I think I took a, a third hitch and Ben Ijelana had entered the game and you were you were eaten. So um, well, I appreciate that because that kind of justified my existence in New England the back half of that year. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> no. I mean, that's what I've been. <laughs> You know, whether it's been my teammates or opponents, I've been building up careers for 17 years now. So. Brian Fitzpatrick's on the show today. Las Cruces, New Mexico. Hello! The city of the Garden of Crosses, which is not how I thought it would translate. Is this whole thing getting played out? Like, are people like... No, I don't think so. You can tweet us and let us know. Uh, But I do want to take the time to mention that that beautiful city of Las Cruces, which is the... uh, It's the Virgin Galactic Headquarters. Yeah, Branson, trying to get people up in space. That's where it all begins. Uh, it's right there on the Rio Grande. The Rio Grande. Why Grand for you? I think that's what it's called. Is it? The Rio Grande. Really? Yeah. How's it spelled? With an E on the end. Yeah, that's interesting. You would think you'd be a little bit more respectful of the people who named the river. Well, in Las Cruces. I mean, why are we Cruces? Why are we not? Cruces. Well, for me, it is Cruces. Okay. Yeah, I was just, you were the one who said hello to Las Cruces. I mean, the river is the Rio Grande. That's that's dope by you. I can't do that. Yeah, so I just consider that next time. <laughs> Rio. You can't roll your R's? I don't think so. That was a sincere attempt. <laughs> Layup line today. Was that a was that a jam or was that a jam? You don't know the name of the song, but did you like it? Be honest. I didn't. You didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, are you okay there, partner? <laughs> well, I've had my second vaccination, so I don't think it's that. Well, no, At least there's I, a ninety five percent chance it's not that. But <clears throat> the allergies are still. I'm just blown away by the fact that you said you did not like Spody Odie Dopalicious. Like it more now, but I listened to those in the uh, context of an actual layup line. And like I'm, I'm up there. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping off my left foot. I'm going up strong. I'm nearly hitting the backboard. I'm just, I, I wasn't. It didn't put me in that space. Well, I needed that space because right before the cameras turned on, I dropped my phone in those fucking chairs. And listen, it's the second time I told you we got these new chairs. My lovely wife needed the chairs that we make a living on at my essentially the man cave. And like a good husband, I, I said. Much obliged. Set update. Is that what I would say? Yeah. Yeah. Still cheeks. I noticed that the, the chairs haven't made their way over to your house and yet. They're in the next room. That's part of the frustration. I know that I'm expected to run them back at some point, but you know. 
definitely part of the frustration on this side of the fiberglass. Well, on my side of the fiberglass, I'm mostly frustrated by the fact that- Plexiglass? Uh, whatever it is, it's gotta go in a couple weeks, I think. I just needed Spody to lift me up, and by the way, the horns, Sleepy Brown, the whole nine yards. Uh, top five Outcast song. By the way, I think I can turn you on to Outcast. I think I got a shot. Can I make a playlist? Sure, for sure, Outcast with a K. With a K. Yep. Spody Odie Dopalicious with the however you would guess at spelling it. Do you want to try to spell Spodiote Dopalicious right now? Sure. Not a real word, obviously, so stakes are low, but you've made mistakes on here before. Spodiote, I'll go S-P-O-T-Y-O-A-T-Y, Spodiote Dopalicious, D-O-P-A-L-I-C-I-O-U-S. You got the third part right. Dopalicious? Yeah, Dopalicious, you nailed that. First two, they were different. Two T's and an I-E, and then uh, two T's and an I-E. Huh. Kind of sounds like spotty Otty. Spotty. To you yeah. and me. Yeah. But not to 3K and Big Boy. So, or Sleepy Brown, who produced the, the song. I love that song. Anyways, I dropped my phone in the new chair. Well, <clears throat> can I back up a bit? Sure. We got into a tiff um, through no fault of my own, I would say. Of course, you uh, would say that. Scheduling. It's never been your fault. Issue. Well, when you don't tell me a, a, a place and a time to show up. Those discussions are on the team calls, which now, since you are so proudly under contract in the near future, you might want to join it, uh, uh, one or two of those. Yeah, so currently not under contract. How do I get onto the call if I'm never called? I'm oh, that's called. interesting. Remember yesterday in the group text read, remember when I said, hey guys, if you're available for 9 p.m. and everybody said yes, except Macon. No, you said if you're on the call, we'll talk about it then. All right, I'm sitting there waiting for a call. What do I do? Call an imaginary number? At any rate, apparently, that's when I learn about when and where we're doing the combine. I learn about it here today. Apparently, it's tomorrow. Thanks. Yeah, we're doing a combine. Listen, hours. I think the reason we threw on Spodiote Dopalicious was to avoid situations like this where we're worked up. I had good reason to be worked up. We'll talk about the combine in a second. My phone dropped into that chair for the second time in two weeks, and I had my poor producer, Cowboy Reed, you know, flipping the chair over. He's got the screwdriver and, and all that. It was but, also cool when you threw your computer and yeah. then threw the chair. I would have, if I wasn't concerned about the well-being of the good folks at Moe's, shout out to Landry, actually. I had a cider uh, the other day at Moe's. I would have thrown the chair right out of the window of our office. Which and it would have hurt somebody. It, it's a lot. Three stories up. Yeah, I had like, listen, I had a an urge like in the commercials to just throw a piece of furniture out a window. Um, I was so mad at that chair. So we needed something to pick the day up. And uh, let's save the the bickering on the combine for the C block after. Okay. Are you showering downstairs? I don't do that here a lot. I have a shower at home. Reed, uh, Reed can't get his breath. Are, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. What happened, Reed? <laughs> Is Reed choking? <laughs> Reed, drink too much water, and yes, guilty on the shower here. Okay, I have showered. I have showered floor, here. Yeah, if we can keep that's that water. A problem that you'll have to talk to the person who sold this building, like why <laughs> they didn't check that before, why they didn't know. Because I've noticed it a couple times. I've done pretty well to clean it up, but it is an issue. If you, you know, just want to keep the water inside with a curtain, that would do the trick. Yeah, yeah no, the curtain looks but the great. the curtain is great. It's yeah, more they, an issue with the building, which, of course, Small Potatoes is a great building. Oh, by the way, there's the huge construction site outside. That, uh, <laughs> I think that you were nobody, made aware of. We talked about uh, it at great length before making uh, this purchase. See how it feels when... Improving the property value is what's happening across the street. Yeah. Improving your property value. You want to you wanna flip this bad boy? We can flip it. That's some loud improvement there. That's some 
in hey. your face improvement. Every day they make sure to tell us that the improvement is happening. Spend money to make money, baby. Please. We got Ryan Fitzpatrick coming up. We already interviewed him. It was great. Um, it was just as you figure it would be. Um, huge brain, huge heart. Huge beard. Team player. And I was going to ask you about the beard. You mentioned your height. A lot of rooms you walk into, six foot four. And I'm going to say six three from now on. I'm very humble of you. Oh, I want to set expectations. Well, you're not six four, so that would make sense. I was well, just throwing you some an doctors have actually said, Chris, uh, six foot four. So what, who am I to disagree? But I'm going to say six three. It's probably six three and change. Question being, you walk into a room. You know how short guys walk in a room, they see a tall guy and they feel, I guess, I never think about height. It's funny, like there are dudes out there that think a lot about height and I don't blame you. If you're shorter, I would probably think about it too because Lord knows when a 6'10 guy walks in the room, I'm like, we get it, you're tall. You know that feeling like immediately like. Yeah, I walk into many rooms and say, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. I get it, you have a good hairline, all right? Yeah, well, I was wondering with the beard, is that like your tall guy? Oh, I guess it's, I guess it's the hairline. That's what I'm self-conscious about and see on everybody else so fitzy having just a a whale of a beard doesn't make you feel weird wicked cool but after 2020 when i realized i could i have a little something <laughs> coming out of here whoa do i need to pull up a picture yeah so we'll check back in a month you you go ahead and pop a couple whiskers out on that upper lip of I'll yours just, and we'll... I'll, I'll show you a picture <laughs> i mean you're on record as saying it was a dope Dope it was look. dope. It just takes a lot of time. It's like uh, wine or something. Yep. Uh, where Fitzy's beard is more like malt liquor. Housekeeping. Be on the lookout for some merch tomorrow. Oh. That's right. Merch. And uh, it's some long-awaited merch by the Greenlight Faithful here. Um, where do we get it? We're going to get it on online. You'll see it on my Twitter account or on the Greenlight Twitter account, which you should be following anyways, at Chalk Media. Which is confusing. It is confusing, but like if you're smart, you could work through it. <laughs> I could see how it could be confusing to an idiot. <laughs> like myself, so I, it is good that you point that out. Be on the lookout for some merch um, and a very special music video from our friends at Free Union. Oh, yes. By the way, they uh, are pretty damn good and like... It's easy growing up around here with so many like local bands to just see their name on a poster and never investigate, but golly, they're good. Very good. Check them out at Free Union Music on socials, <clears throat> Spotify, Free Union Music. And you'll see why. I mean, these guys. You'll see why. They're not just talented. They have a sense of humor. Dulcet tones of Michael Coleman coming at you. We love Michael v Coleman. V-Soon. Friend of the program. All right, so... There's your, your layup line. There's your housekeeping. Cincy uniforms came out today. Last thing before we get to Fitz Magic here. The Bengals were hovering at the bottom of the league when it came to the unis, the yeah, threads. I'd say second to last. And today they've, they've improved because that was the only thing they could do. So I woke up. They were already out there. I felt like a kid yeah. before Christmas last night. When I logged on this morning, it was out there. It was on the it was on the Bengals Twitter page, and I don't know if the first picture you saw was their like big posed. You broke it to me, so yeah, I saw the the poster okay. type picture. A uh, few things with that. If that's truly the first thing the internet saw, and I'm not sure, you might want to be a little bit like more comprehensive about showing us the threads. Bunch of dudes sitting like squared up. Half of them, three quarters of them, have their arms crossed, so I can't look at the, the the numbers, which look like the Chicago Bears numbers. Oh, that's on my list, don't they? Yep. Uh, 
Not a huge fan of the font in the middle. I think they could do better there. I'm okay with the font itself. I just don't need that there on my uni, generally. In, neither do I. I know damn well it's the, the bungles. Yep. That's how we should be saying it. Um, another issue there, Joe Mixon, who's a very good player, sitting front and center on the throne. You got your boy Joe Burrow off to the side. I'd like to think Joe Burrow was probably like, nah, dude, you get the throne. I got to earn it. Mm. QB1 energy. I like, the, I like the uniforms. I think they, it's a step up. I can't see the stripe in that picture. Luckily, some other people posted besides the team. If you go to their page now, they have lots of different angles. Good, good, good. Let's get there. I really like the unis. Okay. The helmet didn't change. I think the jersey is exceptional. I like how there's no difference between the color of the jersey, the collar, and the sleeve. We have now the shoulder stripes, which are done much cleaner than they were. Yeah, numbers have a Bears feel because they're very tall and skinny, and yet they're... Uh, they're probably the right numbers. They're good. They're solid. They're a solid font. Hey, let's, let's rank them. You're looking at this picture of, uh, you know, you've got seven guys here, including Joe Mixon in the throne. I'm paused on what I think is a Tyler Boyd video. I'll go back to you. Okay. Um, I'm with you the now. The combinations. Give me your favorite and least favorite. Okay, without the helmet. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm going to extrapolate with the helmet, but just looking from the neck down, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals captain, what are you – and by the way, Fitzy had a uniform take that's coming up in a few that uh, I disagree with. If I am at home, I like that black jersey, white pant. And if I'm on the road, I like that white jersey, black pant. That is unbelievable. Are you going to go op oppo? It's just amazing. You like white jersey, black pant, which I don't mind. The one that I don't like that looks like 90% of NFL teams since 2000 is solid top, white pant. Um, my favorite is probably the all black. I think usually I hate all black. Like I, I can't stand like when teams force all black and you're like, oh, we get it. Like you guys... High school teams did this. Everybody's trying to do all black. They actually have all black in their arsenal reasonably, and it looks very good on Sam Hubbard there. However, I agree with you that it looks good on who you're telling me is Sam Hubbard. One caveat, I can't see the pants stripe. And two, there's an orange lid on top, which just... I think it works <sighs> fine. Have you ever seen like Princeton play? It kind of, like they're, they're going a little towards Princeton. I don't know why I think that. But it just works better, and and if that would be my favorite, I like I, I'm a big fan of all white. Like I think all white, like no think, no spoilers. Me and Fitz are going to disagree here, but all white is always makes you look fast, makes you pop off the film. Um, and I think Joe looks good in the all white. I like Joe Mixon in the black bottom, white top. Yeah, I'm just not a big fan of white pants, solid top. That looks so default to me. And if you're Trey Hendrickson, you're thinking. Golly, we can't put two WDEs in here? You just paid me, man. That's part of the problem with the Cincinnati Bengals. I didn't recognize a whole lot of these folks. Part of the problem with the Cincinnati Bengals, but an upgrade. Oh, I think these are these are B+. Plus. I, I don't like that white on white. I don't like what Ooh. Joe Burrow's rocking there, especially if it, I like it in college because you can change your helmet and you can go white, white, white little icy white. I don't know that they'd look so cool in a white tiger helmet. Uh, no, I agree. I don't, I don't like this. What I've seen from the pant stripe, I'm just not sold. That, okay. that, that's all I'll say. But there, there, there are only two teams that I can think of 
that don't have a stripe on the pant in the NFL. Jacksonville Jaguars, I think I'm the only person who likes those unis. And those Saints black pants. Oh, they're awful. I wish more teams did not have the stripe in the NFL. Yeah, it's a college feel, but I uh, I think these would be so fire if, if they would just calm down with the striping. We have it on the helmet and the shoulder. Leave the pants alone. We do this with the draft a lot. Last year we had the Bucks, the Browns, the the Chargers and the Rams. We do this with players that are year out of their draft class. Also the Falcons last year. Last year was a big year for Jersey change in 2020. Um, actually like whole remodels going on left and right. Where would this rank if it was a 2020 change in, in that grouping? Three, right behind Chargers and Browns. No prep right there. I, you know what? I might be with you. Okay. I might be with you. I might be with you. Nice job, Bengals. Oh, thought yeah. that was going to be a nice job, Macon. <laughs> Truly did. Thought Not, there was a compliment headed my way. Nice job in the Fitzpatrick interview. Thanks. Which is on now. So I got Fitzy here, and the backstory is I told everybody, I was like, I think we got a shot at Fitzy. You know, like I know the guy. And then I was texting him last Sunday, and I was like, man, guys, I think he fucking ghosted me. <laughs> and then uh, you, what'd you make? And you sent me a screenshot. Yeah, the guys at Augusta. Or they don't they don't have cell phones, clearly was the only issue. Fitzy, how we doing, man? Oh, I'm great. You know I would never ghost you. Ever. <laughs> well, it is hard, and one day when you have a podcast, which seems below you, but one day you inevitably will. You're a white man in your thirties. You're gonna call old friends or like dudes you played against to come on their show, and it just feels like pulling teeth. I hate doing it, but I'm so appreciative that he would find time in his off season to join us. I really am. How you feeling? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, full swing of the off season, so I've got uh, three basketball teams that I'm coaching right now. Uh, the kids are super busy with all their activities, and yeah, getting some fishing in was just at the Masters, yeah. like you mentioned. But yeah, definitely like to take advantage of the off season. Does Philip Rivers get too much credit for having a lot of kids? Like I feel like you don't get any credit for having seven children. He's got more than I do. So, you know, they always look at the guy that's the goat. And uh I guess he he retired though. At present, which is your favorite child? That's a good question. <sighs> that's a great question. Uh I'm gonna go with Jake. He's the youngest and uh, he's two years old he's got some real potential right now and some of the other ones you're just you know at 14 at 12 at 10 you can kind of tell they're going down the wrong path so <laughs> this uh, coming from the, the 38 year old starting quarterback <laughs> i know i know well the cool thing i was talking to bo earlier who's our great mutual friend shout out to bo allen who's listening right now of course uh bo you got great hair there's your compliment for the day you know i have to give bo a compliment every day it continues into retirement Bo was complimenting you because you're a dude with seven kids. You're 38 years old. You and I both know the NFL is kind of like two social circles, generally, on bad teams especially. Like the young guys hang out with the young guys. The older guys go home because they have kids and wives and they have other lives. I think that's one of the hardest things about being a veteran leader, uh, you know, like living that life where you go out to dinner, you make time to do lunch with buddies. You, you still like love the locker room, but you also have a bunch of kids and a wife and a life. How do you manage that? And is it weird to see kids that are five, six years older than your oldest every April? Yeah, it's it's a tough balancing act. And I will say, you know, one of the toughest things about last year 
once they started figuring out the right thing to do with the protocols and Tennessee had their outbreak in the meal room and uh, they really limited the interaction with fellow teammates to you're there basically to dress out for practice to practice. And then you weren't allowed to shower. You had to go straight home. And that part of it made it very difficult. Now I was fortunate enough that this was my second year with, it was my second year with Miami. So I had some of those relationships with guys, but uh, that's a really important part of, uh, you know, establishing a winning culture. It's an important part of, why I still play the game. I love that interaction. And so that was very difficult last year. And hopefully this year, you know, on the flip side with vaccinations, with, uh, you know, a year more of information about COVID and how the season went last year, we'll be able to relax some of that when we're in the building and be around each other a little bit more, but that's a very uh, key part and something, you know, for me, why I still enjoy playing so much. Well, I think making the effort also like it's endearing to teammates and they know if you're like bullshitting the effort or not. And, you know, everything you ever hear about, you know, you as a teammate is that guy's going to make an effort with every corner of the locker room. I think it's a really easy thing for guys, you would think, but some guys just aren't as great at it. And I think it's cool to do it that late into your career. Fitzy, we saw uh, the Bengals uniforms that came out today. You had a stop in Cincinnati, so we'll include them in this conversation what's the sexiest ryan fitzpatrick has ever felt in a uniform and then what's the least sexy well i can tell you the least sexy uh which miami loved uh buffalo had a little bit when you go all white when you go white on white <laughs> i mean I've, i'm struggling with a dad bod as it is and i'm yeah. 38 my metabolism is slowing down as i mean does. Every year they add five pounds to my, my weight of what I'm allowed to weigh, you know, um, the white on white is tough for me. And Curtis Modkins, who was the offense coordinator in Buffalo used to come up to me before every game when we were white on white and say, God, you look terrible. And that was kind of his, <laughs> his pregame speech for me. Um, still to this day, every time I go white on white, he texts me, but, uh, that was tough. I think one of the cooler games I played in. It was the Christmas game. It was the Jets and all green on Thursday night versus Buffalo and all red. I just thought that was an interesting uh, contrast of colors. But I, I find a way to not make jerseys look cool. So it's, <laughs> I'm probably the wrong person to ask on that. You one. know what, dude? I think this this goes to like a lot of your insecurities are inside because I always thought you looked fire in the all white in Miami. I thought you mm. looked like some of your best was you, some of your best work was in Miami from a swag standpoint. So I don't <laughs> know if that makes you feel better, but make well the throwback Miami, <clears throat> the Merino oh, Miami Uni is gorgeous, elite. But you two both wore, which oh god, this Uni might have won the press conference, but very quickly it got old. The the navy and gold in oh, St. Louis, dude. That that's a tough combo well maybe for you you were still on the heels of greatest show on turf when you showed up there it was completely cratered as a brand in 2008 when i got there it, it was quickly catering when i was there as well yes <laughs> it was going down uh shout out to jimmy lake it wasn't his fault our uh friend of the program equipment <laughs> man yeah jimmy lake yeah jimmy lake um no i mean like if i pull up where in the world like like pull up all the uniforms do you do you have a best and worst make well, that dolphin throwback is the best for me. And the worst might be Buffalo was in a weird spot with Definitely that shoulder worst. thing going on and multiple blues. Mm. 
Uh, that was a. That I think they've really tough. turned it around, though. I, I think their jerseys now they've they've turned it around in the last five six years. They do look sweet, and I do remember actually like that. There are very few sporting events that you're like, I remember where I was when I saw that, and uh, Buffalo and the Jets, Christmas Eve 2016, maybe I believe it was. Uh, it's unforgettable because of that combo. I mean, talk about like Christmas color rush to the max. That was electric. Yeah. So well, and I've always been, I've always been the guy. You know, when you are walking out of the locker room, they've got the picture of the what you should look like. You know, what you shouldn't wear, the bandana. You should have your socks halfway up. I mean, that's me. I still go. <laughs> I mean, I was disappointed when they made us put thigh pads and knee pads back in. So was I. I I'm glad they didn't go hip pads and tailbone pad, but. Uh, I still now just kind of as a joke, wear the full knee pads, like the ones your dad probably wore back <laughs> yeah, in the day. Yeah. Yeah. So guys like the 21, 22, 23 year olds in the locker room love that they love to give me a hard time about it. And, uh, you know, I like to eat it. Well, I had the foam helmet like into year eight of my career. You know how everybody was going to that cool gel helmet that was much better for your CT and your brain and all that stuff. Like yeah. I had the, the asbestos uh, inducing yellow <laughs> foam, like in my helmet and I was getting forehead bruises. Nobody told me I was grandfathered in for a little bit with my helmet. And then they came out with all the ratings. And last year I had to change it. I, Antonio Brown was one of like the 11 guys that was kind of making a stink out of it a few years ago. And, uh, it was just, it's a helmet that's always worked for me. I have never had a reported concussion. I don't think I've had a concussion, so I didn't know why I had to change, but they made me change it finally, like two years ago. Cincy, like I had forgotten about Cincy. Like you've been everywhere, like you've seen it all. I remember you more certain places than than others. We played against each other in Buffalo and New York and and that sort of thing. Um, and I I wonder when you think Cincy, what's your association with those two years? Was it? It was so. My main associations are I got traded basically on cut day in my third season, going into my third season after training camp to the Bengals from the Rams. Uh, my firstborn was six months, like on the day, on his six-month birthday, and that was the day I got traded. So the two things I really remember, uh, one, Carson Palmer, how much of a stud he is. Shout out Carson, one of the best leaders I've ever had the privilege of playing with and two when i was told that i got traded i walked out um earth city parking lot mm -hmm. i think i don't know when you were there if they still had the um based on seniority oh, yeah. you know one two three yeah so i had the uh green lime green volkswagen beetle with a flower in the front no. um yeah, I get, well, every now and again, my wife needed the Pathfinder, and so I had to take the Volkswagen <laughs> Beetle in. And I was in, you know, at that point, it was going into my third year, so I'd probably moved up from spot number 92 to spot 37 or something. No walking beard. Out, I call my wife. No beard. Can't grow any facial hair at this point. Um, probably no chest hair either, which no we'll, we can talk me. about that later. Oh. But, yeah. Um, and I call my wife, and I say – you're not going to believe this. I just got traded. And right as that is happening, uh, Jay Zygmunt, yeah. I believe his name was, um, Jay walks out and taps me on the shoulders. I'm saying this to my wife. So I, you know, get scared and hang up the phone. Well, I didn't tell her where we got traded to. So there was like a 
four minute period there where she was like, oh my God. And this is kind of before, you know, everything Adam Schefter has the scoop before it even happens kind of deal. So she sat in suspense for four minutes and I told her, Hey, we got traded to Cincinnati and uh, we moved out. We had to move out, uh, you know, during the season, basically week one, which, which wasn't the easiest thing with the newborn, but little did we know that would not be the most difficult move we would have to make. <laughs> yeah. Nah. And actually it's not always Adam Schefter. I want to give credit to my co-host. You cucked Adam Schefter a few weeks ago to remind the listeners on the Kyle Long to Kansas City thing. Kyle Long, unretired. How'd you get that scoop? Uh, we know people, dude. We know people. We don't want to give our That's secrets. That's huge. Wow, I know. It huge. is huge. Literally, it's huge. I mean, well, Je Kyle's a big guy is what I mean, to be specific, so nobody gets any of the wrong ideas. Uh, I was thinking about Cincy because I'm looking at your career, and nobody remembers you as the guy that you know, um, didn't play a lot in St. Louis, didn't play a lot in Cincy. Everybody thinks about you and your career as this guy who's electric at every stop and you hope he comes and plays for your team. And even if you're not pulling for uh, the team, you pull for Fitzmagic. Like, that wasn't you for four years. You were waiting your turn. And I guess I wonder, because with the background of like, you could do whatever you wanted. Like, you didn't have to play football. Was there ever a moment in those four years that you were like, uh, maybe I'll do something else. Or were you willing to stick it out and do the career backup thing if that's what it took? No, I was willing to do that. And really, I didn't know, uh, you know, my first start ever, or not, excuse me, not my first start, my first game I ever played in, uh, Mark Bolger had been hurt the week before. Jamie Martin was the starter. I came in down 21. We came back and won the game against the Texans threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns and thought, man, this is a little bit easier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and, uh, you know, quickly humbled after that. But, uh, when I got my first taste of success and then, you know, multiple failures right after that, uh, it just became a huge challenge for me and something that I loved. Uh, Alex Smith announced his retirement. Just got that on the phone. Interesting. Oh, Fitzy mm. broke it. Per Fitzy. <laughs> Quote tweet it. Perfitzy, um, dude. Hey, by the way, same draft class as you. Let's stop and talk about him for a second, right? You guys, 2005, same class. Two of the all-time like dudes, in my opinion. Um, I love Alex Smith. What's Alex Smith's legacy to you, Fitzy, on the spot? I mean, I think, you know, it's a goofy label and sometimes gets used too much, but I'm going to use it for him. He was a winner. I mean, he won... Uh, you know, when he was in San Fran at the tail end there, when he was in Kansas City and, you know, it wasn't always the 300 yard games and five touchdown passes and the way that it kind of happens now with some of these young kids. But everywhere he went, uh, he made the team better. So I think that's one thing. And then a quick story with Alex and one of my biggest regrets to date. Uh, so same draft class. He was picked number one. I was picked number 250. But he was always really nice to me going through the process. And I, I've always appreciated him over the years. Um, when Alex broke his leg in that game a few years ago, I had a what I thought was similar injury. I fractured my tibia in 2014 with the Houston Texans. And so the single worst tweet or t not tweet, I've never tweeted the single worst text <laughs> I've ever sent out. I sent it to Alex and I said, hey, Alex, just want to let you know they'll fix you right up. You'll be good as new. You know, I'm out here and I don't feel any pain from, you know, my injury, you know, three years later or whatever, whenever it was. 
and I sent it and felt good about it. And he said, well, mine might be a little more complicated and, you know, 17 surgeries later and the story of what he had to overcome. I mean, <laughs> I felt like the <laughs> I'm biggest so glad he's okay ever. and we can laugh about <laughs> oh, that now. Me too. Me too. But what <laughs> he did last year was, it was incredible for him to get back on the field. And I was very happy after sending that text that he didn't lose his life. Oh, there's nothing worse than that. I totally get what you, how you're feeling. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and if it happens, and it goes, that's amazing, dude. I'm so like, I mean, you just got chills, and I felt like last year, and you've you've dealt with it, getting crushed in the pocket, and the physicality of playing quarterback in the NFL. Like I last offseason, I said they're crazy if they play him. He's crazy if he plays. They're not really doing this right. Like in camp, I kept thinking like they're not really gonna play him right. He's just playing one snap right, but he got a lot of action last year and was very effective. Very effective. I don't know. Did you cringe watching or were you happy for him? Well, I, I think back to, I think the first game that he got put in was against the Rams and yeah. it was, you know, just images of Aaron Donald jumping on his back mm -hmm. and him sitting there, like having to hold Aaron Donald on his back and got sacked a bunch that game and it was pouring rain and it just seemed like it was a miserable experience. But, uh, you know, I, I don't want to speak for Alex, but I'll say, I, I assume that there was such a huge personal challenge for him just to prove that he could do it, that he could come all the way back. And I think it was a really inspirational story for a lot of people watching him do that. And I also think probably of all the moments in 2020, the one that you wish there were fans there for, you know, like seeing his family yeah. in the stands was special and to them it was probably all the same in the rain, you know, supporting him was kind of me a metaphor, like rain or shine, they're there for him. They were there for him on the on game day. It's pouring down rain. There's nobody in the stands. It would have been cool to see like a raucous ovation for a guy like that. Uh, definitely all class. So happy trails, as they say to our boy Alex Smith. Rare player that sits for four and kind of starts for ten plus years. I mean, at quarterback, it, is there a way forward for that guy now in the NFL? And do you see um, a Ryan Fitzpatrick that you're eyeing up that might be the next you? <laughs> well, I. I constantly have to remind myself, but 17 years, I got that, but like how many teams it's been. And usually I have to go in order, but it's, you know, I'm going on my ninth team and it's so unbelievable, not just to think about all the stops that I've had, but each stop was significant in that, you know, my family was there. We were there for at least a year. I started a bunch of games for, for every franchise and just, you know, when you get into a building, the relationships that you make, not just with uh, the players, but, you know, as we're shouting out Jimmy Lake again, the the support staff, like there's so many relationships that you make and you get fully invested in these people. And then every year I'm doing it again at a different stop. So there are guys that have had the career that I have in terms of moving around a bunch, but in terms of actually, you know, playing significant time starting games and playing a significant role in the franchise. I don't know that nine will be done again, just especially at the quarterback position. It's fairly rare. Yeah, it is rare. And at times it frustrates me because I'm sure it frustrates you. It's like you could do the very best you can somewhere and you're like, damn, is it happening again? Like they just have an idea. Like, you know, I, they have an idea whether they picture a young guy and he's not here yet, or it's another guy in free agency like that has to frustrate you sometimes, right? Cause you've had stretches of brilliance where you're like, damn, they give X player three years here to get it together under a system. I'm right here in a new stop and they got another idea 
and I'm getting chased out the door or there, you know, like that has to piss you off sometimes if you're being honest. Yeah. And I mean, I, I was very candid after last year being benched, you know, winning two games going into the bye week um, that I just didn't think it was the right move and then it hurt. But I'll tell you, two of the most rewarding years I've had were in Miami just to see and to be a huge part of uh, the turnaround there and uh, just to instill confidence in guys that didn't have it. Uh, I think the fans, you know, really appreciated the effort that I put forth. And so for me, my career is not going to be about Super Bowl rings and, you know, even unfortunately lots of playoff appearances or anything like that. It's going to be about the relationships that I've made and, you know, the, in the different swaps I've made, the impact I've had on people's lives. And the last two years was some of the most impactful uh, time I've had in an organization in the NFL. Well, we don't, we don't, the book's not closed yet on the playoffs now. Okay. Oh, you're right. No, it's not closed. And I'm just saying it's, I'm not littered with playoff uh, no, games the first 16 years. So. Well, that's, that's just the first, the first 16 years, Fitzy. Okay. We're going to light a shrine right. in here. I don't know if you saw what happened last time we lit a shrine. Uh, Nick Foles to the playoffs. We're going to light a shrine for Fitzy here soon. Listen, I look at some of these stops. I look at Miami. I heard you talk after the, the, the benching in Miami, and I felt like most people were on the same page that, and this is what frustrates me as a former player. How many times have we heard coaches say this is a production business? Right. Many. Okay. Is it a production business? I mean, there's, there's certain positions where it's all about looking towards the future, you know, where it's all about trying to find the next big thing, the franchise guy and quarterback definitely falls under that. So uh, sometimes it is all about sacrificing in the present for hopefully being better in the future. Does it help when you're like, damn, I know I, in my mind, I deserve to play. I don't want to put words in your mouth. If I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick last year, I deserve to play. But I got this guy next to me that depends on me to mentor him and not go in the tank. Like you got to take some pride in being that big brother, even when it's not easy. Yeah. And it, it makes it easier when it's a good dude, when it's a guy that works hard, uh, when it's a guy that appreciates it and, and two is all those things. So that part of it, you know, having to swallow your pride a little bit and do the best you can and be present for him every single day. That part of it was made easier because of who he is. Now, that being said, you know, I also, I still wanted to be out there and, you know, I ended up getting a few opportunities. Uh, he hits his thumb in practice. I go out in the Jets game and we beat the Jets and then I get thrown at the end of the Denver game and get thrown in at the end of the Las Vegas game. So, you know, you still have to stay ready and sharp. And as a quarterback, it's hard to do that because you don't get any reps. So um, I just try to lean on the experience a little bit and go out there and throw the ball around the yard, which, which that stuff's still fun for me. And you can have a chip on your shoulder without holding a grudge or does it have to work both ways? Oh, well, you know, I, I think I've always, uh, with coaches and even with members of the media, I, I know that they have a job to do. I've always tried to keep good relationships with all of them. Uh, even if sometimes I don't agree with the decisions or, you know, media members, sometimes they're not going to write the nicest things about you. I, I understand and appreciate that they all have jobs to do. So I try to keep it as professional as possible. And and I've had some great and still have some great relationships with guys that, you know, and, and Coach Flores is, is actually one of them where I didn't really agree with some of the decisions he made about me personally, but 
I can look past that and appreciate the relationship we're able to build in two years. Yeah, that's big. I mean, I don't, I wish, you know, I think more guys could stand to learn that. If you play long enough in the league, somebody's going to tell you something negative about yourself that's not true. And so, like, it's going to happen a lot, whether it's through, you know, how they express their opinion of you with their wallet, how they move you, how many snaps you play. Like, if you play long enough, you're going to be at odds with the coach. And I've tried, that's really, I feel better about doing what I've done. I felt like I haven't been vindictive enough with some of my former coaches that I hate on a football level, but I never could bring myself yeah. to, to hate them on a personal level, right? Like, you know, just because you didn't think I was very good at that juncture, or you liked a different guy, like, I like to, I, I've liked coaches better than you. So what, I mean, you know, it's, I don't think we have to hate guys that we were at odds with on a football level all the time. And I, it's easy to fall into that trap. Yeah. And you only have so much energy too. Like yeah. I, I've got to put and focus my energy on the things that are way more important than that, you know, and, and maybe when I'm done playing, I'll be able to hop into your chair and we'll be able to say mean things about all these guys. But <laughs> there's just, I mean, football is too difficult of a game. It's, it's too hard uh, for you to worry about all those things and not just focus on what you're trying to do on the field. No doubt about it. And then, you know, we've got the opposite of the spectrum, which hopefully is this year. I'm looking at Washington and I'm saying best opportunity with the good team, you know, to kind of clear the the floor for Fitz magic is, am I correct in that assumption so far in your 16 years? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, since Buffalo, since I was released from Buffalo, uh, every year has been, you know, sign on as the backup or sign on as the bridge starter, you know, hoping to find the next big thing and draft the next big thing. And, when you go to teams that are signing you as a bridge in hopes to find the next big thing, a lot of times that means they're not very good, that they're drafting early. Um, you know, and this is a pretty unique situation for me, you know, since 2012 in that this is a team that went to the playoffs this year. This is a team that is young, that has a bunch of energy, that's got a great head coach and they're headed in the right direction. So I would say this is a really unique opportunity for me, you know, to be able to go in, to be able to earn the starting job and, you know, see where it takes us. But I really like the direction of the team and, and the talent on the roster. I know you're probably going to say everybody, but is there one guy you're really excited to throw balls to there? Oh yeah. Terry, you know, just watching the tape from the last few years and, and him playing and the run after the catch ability and just the, the few conversations that I've had with him, you know, texting on the phone. He just seems like, He's mature beyond his years, and it's just he's an exciting football player on the field. I noticed about like that about him. Maybe it's because he's a little bit older coming out of college. I think he's like 23 or 24. It didn't work out for me in being mature at 23, but he does seem like an eight year vet. Like he's got that kind of gravitas. And then you have that with Chase on the other side of the ball. Like they've accumulated some young guys that act like vets. I think that's a really good thing, and, and that makes life easier on you when you walk into a new locker room. Yeah, I think so. And I don't, it sounds like you're throwing a compliment at Ohio state there too, which um, I don't like to do that usually. Yeah, I don't, I don't either really, but uh, those are two guys that came from that program that, you know, they, they're doing the right things and saying the right thing. Even so a broken clock is, a is wrong. Right. Correct. It's wrong a lot. Yeah, it's right. It's twice. wrong a lot. It's right twice, twice during the That's day. Where we need the yeah. Harvard stuff and the UVA stuff in 2020. 
I was a general manager of two fantasy football clubs that won Super Bowls. Both featured Scary Terry McLaurin. Uh, so you will enjoy him. Oh. Antonio Gibson. Oh, now we love Curtis Antonio Samuel, Gibson. Logan Thomas. But I'm thinking about the first huddle you likely ever stepped into was Isaac Bruce, oh, yeah. Torrey Holt, Marshall Falk, Orlando Pace, I would imagine. I mean, what, was that uh, breathtaking, I would imagine? I mean, and Steven Jackson, you yeah. know, when Marshall got tired. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was in there. We've already mentioned the no facial hair, the no chest hair, um, voice cracking still. You know, these guys are looking at me to tell them what to do. <laughs> just, you know, pinching myself like, what the hell am I doing in this huddle? Um, but then you just, you do it, it becomes football. But I remember my first, my first ever pass, uh, it might've been a preseason game, but it was in warmups and I just threw to the running backs. And so I was, it, it may've been a regular season game because Marshall was the guy I threw it to, but I sailed a swing route like 20 yards over his head. I was so <laughs> nervous throwing to him and he just looked at me like, what are you doing? Calm down, you know? And uh luckily i was able to calm down a little bit but it is it is hard sometimes being a young guy and throwing to those hall of fame type guys and now in washington they're all going to be like wow yeah now he's the guy dude it's pretty cool but also it's like that was they were not only hall of famers in st louis but it was the old nfl like dudes of dudes are different now especially young guys so i mean like it's just the league's changing and so I think it's pretty cool that you have a couple young throwback type guys. You know, I'll pause on the Ohio State compliments to kind of carry out that leadership <laughs> model that you're going to. Uh, serious question, though, about Washington, because I'm, listen, last year I felt like w with Ron, with Chase and things I mentioned, with Alex and everything that was going on, I felt like they all of a sudden became the most likable team in the league. You know, a team that you could root for this year. We're going to be rooting for you even harder. Um, but, you know, uh, the draft, you got to be concerned, I'm sure. I mean, like, I've been, and I tried to explain to Macon how stressful it is. Actually, we made a mistake on the pod last week. When they drafted Robert Quinn, you were there with me. Yeah, I can't remember what year it was, but that draft, we're sitting there. It's We're having a good time. And then it's... In the first round, the St. Louis Rams select Robert Quinn, defensive end, North Carolina. I was like, which side does he play? And you could hear a pin drop. Everybody was like, oh, God. Because they were showing highlights of this sucker, and he was just running on the side of his knee. Like, I'm, have you been sacked by Robert Quinn? I'm sure I have, yeah. Sure, he, he sacked a lot of people. I mean, he's got 80 already. Yes. But, I mean, my man was just like an alien, and I was like, well, he's got it. I just hope he plays right in. And then I told the story about in Philly, they sign you, and they're like, it's just you and BG sort of and then and then i'm in germany getting stem cell so i go to sleep because it's a six hour time difference i wake up to my phone just buzzing what does this mean what does this mean what does this mean i turn on the tv Derek barnett is uh, the eagles first round draft pick so i've seen like bad draft days where i'm like fuck but you're a quarterback there's only one quarterback and you know how that goes where are you going to be on draft day uh as washington is picking because you know anything can happen and you've been through this yeah, and it really – it's not that big of a deal to me. I love watching the draft. I mean, it's its drawn out now with the three days and everything else, but I, I do enjoy watching it. Um, it doesn't really matter to me 
what they do. I mean, every team I've ever been on, well, especially in the last like 10 years, they're always looking to replace me. Right. So if I'm out there, they're like constantly looking for my replacement and I'm just doing my best job to either hold down the fort or to hold off the replacement for as long as I can. So that's just the world and the reality that I've lived in for the last 10 plus years. Uh, so that stuff really doesn't bother me all that much. Um, you know, you always wish that they pick up a few nice weapons for you, but <laughs> yeah. that's not always the case. Yeah. I mean, good answer. Cause you're a better man than me. I'm just like, he's been through it. He's seen it. I mean, like, it, you know, every year you got to deal with some, and you, you're not calling this bullshit, but me, like somebody who wants to see more of Fitz magic, I'm like, this is bullshit. So, I mean, you know, I think this is going to be a fun year no matter what. And, uh, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping y'all win a bunch of games there. And obviously Eagles fans listening, I will root for the Eagles sort of against Fitzy. Sort of, sort of <laughs> probably 50, 50, just good, clean game. Um, Harvard tag. Oh yeah. Did he go to Harvard? Yeah. See, he was going to see if we could get through the whole pod without mentioning Harvard, but I'm going to go a different direction. How does it make any sense that you're the Harvard poster child? I mean, I know the like the novelty of there's a quarterback that's playing a lot in the NFL who went to Harvard, but you're a gunslinger. Like everything about you is anti-Harvard except your IQ. Like, and I mean that as a compliment. And I'm not no shade to Harvard, but like you think of a Harvard guy, you think probably he doesn't have as much fun as you. He doesn't have a long beard. He doesn't take chances on the field. Like, are you ever kind of like side eyeing people when they when they go to that well too many times? Well, it's, uh, thank you for bringing that up. I love yeah. talking about it. You're welcome. Um, but it, you know, for a while I thought it, I thought it was finally going to die down. Cause for a while that was the only thing. Nobody even knew my name. I was just the Harvard guy. And, uh, how long do they call you Harvard it, in that first training camp? I bet oh you they God. just called yeah, you Harvard. I, mean, I don't know if anybody in St. Louis even remembers my name, to be honest. <laughs> it was just Harvard, Harvard, Harvard kid. <laughs> Yeah, that was it. And then it was it was Mike Martz kicking me out of the huddle. You went to Harvard? Are you <laughs> shitting me? You know, he would he would like mumble the play and I would try to remember it and I'd be in there and Tori and Isaac would be laughing at me and he'd throw me out. And then he'd put Jeff Smoker in and Jeff you know, Smoker. a blast from the past name there. Yeah. <laughs> um but that yeah, my first few years I was I was only known as that, and now I'm glad that I've I've gotten away from it a little bit. But uh, I definitely take a little bit of pride in it. I mean, we have if you just look around the league, and this will be a quick shout out to Tim Murphy and Harvard football. Uh, I mean, look at how many tight ends are making noise in the league from Harvard. I'm going to have you look it up after the interview. But there's there's a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Uh, Cam Brate, Kyle oh, Cam Brait. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about I, I forgot about you, Check. I thought you were making a self-deprecating Harvard joke, but there's a lot of guys. No, Ben Broniker, Tyler Ott. We're taking over the league right now, to be honest. That uh, begs the question, though, because I was going to ask you this, and I kind of hate this question if I was going to ask anybody else, but I think it's a good question with you. Labels, legacy, like we try to label everybody, right? Um, yeah. You're not a journeyman to me. Okay. You're you've if I saw your passport. And yes, I know they don't stamp them inside the continental United States, but if I saw your passport, I'd say journeyman, but I've watched you play. What's the label for Fitzy? Like what's going to be on your NFL headstone? Like what's your legacy as a quarterback? Who are your peers? Like you mentioned it. You're so unique, you know, prolific. How do we categorize you? Do you even want to be categorized? I mean, everybody has to have a label. That's it. Right. I mean, it has to, and journeyman, 
like that's that's fine. I, I think too many people are thrown into that category. Um, you know, there are guys that have been on four or five stops in the NFL, but really only played on one or two teams. Like, does that really make them a journeyman? I don't know. But uh, I, ironically enough, like Gus Farratt, who took me under his wing my second year. I mean, Gus played. He played for I think six franchises, but one of them twice. So he had seven different stints. Uh, he had three kids. He's a huge family guy. He pretty much played everywhere he went. Uh, he was a guy early on that took me under his wing and there's a guy that, that started, you know, for six different teams. Now, once you sit, start going into the seven and eight and nine, it gets, it gets pretty slim. But, uh, I think, I'm. I don't know. I think my career has been very, very unique and, and um, Maybe maybe we've got to create a new category. And so. now that you're part of the media, maybe yeah. you can do that. Well, you know? let's put it out no. there. And maybe if you want to talk offline and you got some some monikers you want to try on, we can do that. I was thinking <laughs> like, and this might even be below you, celebrity journeyman. You know, like also, I don't even like bridge for you because bridge infers that that's the like that's the solution to get from one end of you know a body of water to another. I, I think bridge is below you. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, but, no problem. You know, What's your knows? favorite it's, bridge in the world? There's a bunch of great bridges. You're right about uh, that. Are you, you're really waiting for me to answer that one? Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. We'll go with the Skyway, the Skyway Bridge in Tampa. Yeah. Okay, good. That was a very... By the way, we didn't talk about Tampa's uniforms. They were hideous before they changed them. So, I mean, imagine how many yards you could have thrown for in the new in the new bad boys. <laughs> Did you know they in were going to be that the, good? Uh, the all red. Uh, I didn't, I'll tell you what though, when they, the best move they made in my opinion, I mean, obviously the, <laughs> the Tom move was great, but the one that doesn't get talked about is Todd Bowles. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's think about what Todd Bowles did to that defense in two years and being there. And I got to work very closely with Todd. He was the head coach when I was with the jets and I mean, he's one of the more impressive coaches I've ever been around, especially on the defensive end and just a guy that has, he's so aggressive in nature and just the way that he calls a defense and calls a game, it trickles down to his players. And I was really happy to see the success that he was able to have and the the stamp that he was able to put on that defense. I think he's one of the the dudes that, I don't know why it, well, I don't know why it took so long or it's taking so long for him to get a second opportunity as a head coach. I mean, and I hope the Super Bowl solidifies the fact that uh he's got what it takes. Nobody that's ever played for Todd Bowles has said a bad word about him to me. You know, he's just one of those rare guys and uh hope he gets And I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know that I mean, I think he's in a great situation right now. I think he loves calling defenses. Um you know, I think everybody kind of wants to be the head or whatever, but I think he's probably pretty comfortable. I mean, I haven't had these conversations with him, but yeah. knowing his personality, I think he's very happy with where he's at and is enjoying life, doing what he loves, which is being the defensive coordinator. You've played under a bunch of head coaches by virtue of being around. Um, I played in a bunch of for a bunch of head coaches by virtue of playing in St. Louis for eight years. So we know. <laughs> Good coaches, bad coaches. We also don't like to talk shit about people, I'm sure. Here's the way I figured we'd get some good answers out of you. Let's pretend you're a head coach. Not that you would ever do that, um, right? You would never want to coach, would you? 
you know, uh, okay, because it's just, it's just too much. There's too much wasted time in coaching. There's just, there's too much. Hey, I keep my toothbrush at the office because I didn't even have time to go home. I was here, you know, I slept for three hours on the floor and brushed my teeth. And that's all the time I had. I couldn't even eat breakfast. Like there's just, there's a little too much of that that goes on, you know, the, the dick measuring contest, if you will, with how much time you spend in the office. And I think a lot of it is completely unnecessary. Oh yeah. Oh, I sleep on my couch. See, I have a couch in my office. Look, yeah, I sleep there every night. Like I'm not impressed, like work smart, not harder, maybe smarter, not longer. Yeah, smarter, not well, I think I think the Thursday night games kind of show that, too. Yeah. Like, sometimes the simplicity of putting a game plan together and not overthinking it and just going out there and playing, uh, it's amazing that they can get a game plan put together in a few days when normally, you know, it takes every hour of, of every day leading up to the Sunday game. And I just, that's the most difficult part for me in that profession well here's the fucked up thing dude like when y'all are in the qb room meeting for 36 hours and maybe 30 of them are would you, i mean like if you meet for let's say 24 hours in a week in a meeting room how many of those hours as a qb are worthwhile he's shaking his uh, head yeah i mean i'm like half of what we do i'd say is is worthwhile so now imagine being say. a d lineman and having to be in meetings as long as the qbs yeah, never, never understood that one. If you're a coach, what style coach are you like? What you just mentioned, like efficient time in and out of the building, you know, how many padded practices? Give me like kind of like the way your team's going to play. You've seen enough coaches. I know you probably have built like the perfect coach in your head. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, though, because the game like the game really is changing from when we first. What was your first year? Oh, two thousand eight. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Yeah. So even from then and the Ray Lewis style linebacker and there, there are no longer like these, you know, linebackers that are playing all three downs very rarely. And if they are, it's because everybody passes on first and second down now, too. But the game has definitely become more of a finesse style game. And uh, it used to be so much about the callus and building up and hardening your body and getting ready for the season and, you know, constantly hitting throughout the year. I, I wouldn't really go that route. I mean, I think it's necessary uh, in training camp, but during the year, it's so much about just being healthy and being able to play fast. Um, and then just for me, the biggest thing as a play caller is making it damn certain that the guy you're calling plays for knows that you have confidence in him by the way that you call the plays by your aggressiveness. And that's, that's kind of the way, you know, simply put that I would go about it. Will you be resting your head in the great state of Virginia while you play for the Washington oh, yeah, football a team? That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. We, uh, we are not like 100%. We're about 95% sure right now. Yes. Uh, would you consider purchasing real estate in the great state of Virginia during this Washington stint? Yeah, it, it's, you know, obviously pretty personal question there. But uh, real, I don't estate agent, real, real, real estate, estate agent. agent. Oh. Uh, it's an obviously mm. pretty personal question there. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this fucking guy's uh, weird. Do you sell a lot of houses in the Ashburn area? No, uh, but I have a license to travel throughout the Commonwealth. Uh, it's interesting how that works. Yeah. Because it's really Super important, like one of your big points of pride here that you tell customers, I know the market really well, so that's positive. I would assume negative in Ashburn. 
Well, I have access to all the data I okay. could provide a right, fiduciary responsibility to Ryan and his family. Okay, well, I'm sure you would take pride in that. I'm super, I'm super impressed. I woke <laughs> up after and uh, let's get to the lightning round and get him out of here, huh? Okay, quarterbacks. You played with a bunch of them. We touched on some of the legends that you've played with. Gus Ferrat. I'm glad he came up. Shout out to Gus. Uh, also a big dog guy. Gus is one of the biggest dog guys you'll ever meet. I mean, that family, it's like a jungle of dogs in that house. Um, yeah. And they're all huge, huge dogs. I, um, I wonder if you had to take a trip, a fun trip, and the pool is every quarterback you ever shared a QB room with. You got to pick four dudes that you're taking to, I don't know, the Bahamas, Dubai. Who are you taking a trip with? So uh, Carson Palmer comes to mind for sure. Jake Locker definitely oh. comes to mind. Uh, love me some Jake Locker. One of the best human beings I've ever met. What makes life. him cool? Because I didn't know anything about this cat. He's just real. Like he, I mean, at the end of his career, he basically stopped playing he just he didn't really like football anymore and he didn't want to take anybody's money because he didn't run, really want to be there and he had plenty of offers to continue to play as a backup uh, but he's very happy moving back to the state of washington and living on his grandpa's farm and you know living a simple life and that's just he's as real a dude as i've ever met and i i, I have a lot of respect for him for that jake locker okay uh, oof um gosh there's there's been a lot of dudes lod um <laughs> I, I would throw i would throw Jameis. i'd throw Jameis winston in that category yes. um you know Jameis is gonna liven up the uh the party a little bit he's he's also a hard-working guy i had uh, a great relationship with him the two years we were in tampa were you there the year when he was eating W's with? Oh, I was there. Yeah, I was, in the, okay. I was in the background. Take us through that. All right, take us through that because I think at this point he's owned the situation, and we love Jameis here. Oh yeah, no, he's not. I don't think he's James not would apologize for doing that. He's okay. he's going to continue to eat W's. Okay, it's just it's just who he is, you know. So, right. uh, you're standing there watching the speech. <laughs> What's going on, dude? What's going on? Uh, I mean, Jameis, Jameis is as interesting a guy as you'll ever meet. He's, he really is motivational when he talks, but when he, when he talks, he gets very excited sometimes. And I don't know if that, I mean, like we said, he's owned it and he's going to continue to eat W's, but, uh, I was, was loving it. I was into it. I was bobbing my head up and down. I was ready to eat some W's, but I think my helmet was on so i couldn't get him through the face mask yeah the w's are hard to get through the you just you got to pull yeah, the mask it's a tough up. letter to go with yeah yeah exactly if you want to eat an eye you just go right th straight through the bottom of the face mask um that's a lowercase i i am um, i wonder what he's got to do in your opinion to i mean obviously people listening if they want to be dicks about it they'll say we'll stop throwing interceptions but what is he got to do to rejuvenate his career and then also like, do you think New Orleans was low-key the most brilliant place he could have gone? Yes, I do. And and I don't know, you know, after he left Tampa, I don't know what the, uh, what other places he had to choose from. But I think it was brilliant in that Drew was at the tail end. And I think he knew that. And, you know, the guy threw for 5,000 yards and 30-plus touchdowns a few years ago. Yeah. So... Um, 
there's a few things that he's got to figure out in his playing style and kind of limiting and knowing when the play is over and that kind of thing. If he gets that figured out, even in the least bit, I mean, that's a brilliant move for the New Orleans Saints because uh, he has the work ethic, the talent, all that stuff. And I think it's it's a very underrated move that people haven't put enough uh, – they haven't talked enough about it this offseason because if he ends up being the 16- or 17-game starter there next year, um, I think he's going to have a great year. I really yeah. do. With Sean, too. And we were on the big – we were on Fitzy to New Orleans train. At least I was. But I get why you stayed away. You don't want to usurp your boy Jameis who's going on the trip with you. Who is the fourth trip going? So the, the fourth one I'm going to throw in there, a uh, little-known guy by the name of Jabron Hamden. Uh, Jabron was a backup with the Bills when I went. He started a clothing line called Ali Al Fatal after his playing days were over, and one of the most unique, interesting guys I've ever played with. Jabron Hamden. I legitimately don't know who he is. I had to Google him. Um, he's from San Diego, Bishop O'Connell, Virginia guy, Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he played in, he was a great baseball player growing up, uh, has some crazy stories about his childhood and, uh, I don't know. Everything about the guy is super interesting. I think he was even the league MVP in NFL Europe one year. Oh, nice. Um, but one of the most interesting men in the world for sure. He was in, he was, yep. Gotcha. And that was, uh, that's four of them. So we've got, we've got the trip lined up. Um, let me ask you something, you know, I've, do you know how many times I've sacked you? It's not that much. And it's not a rhetorical question. I'm not that important. Well, I remember the strip sack at the end of the game in 2016 very well. I remember that well. Thank you for um, taking a little bit of a, a hitch there. Just that, I think I took a, a third hitch, and Ben Ijalana had entered the game, and you were you were eaten. So, um, well, I appreciate that because that kind of justified my existence in New England the back half of that year. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> no. I mean, that's what I've been. <laughs> You know, whether it's been my teammates or opponents, I've been building up careers for 17 years. Now, so. <laughs> well, so the other one I had, I had a half sack against you in, in Buffalo when we played y'all up there. Um, and by the way, that place is so fun to go play. And then um, the third one I had forgot because it was such a garbage sack. It was a, it was Christmas Day in New England. I think I pushed Ben Hajalana and then you like tripped and I just tagged you. But the where I'm going with this is most painful sack you've ever had and what makes a hit on a quarterback hurt like we're not like don't give rushers in 21 the blueprint but i feel like sometimes we'll hit you really hard you won't feel it and then you'll kind of fall awkwardly and take 15 seconds to get up so what gives so boy there's a lot of questions there i will say (laughs) the half sack that you had on me i think you gave me uh unnecessary hip thrust when we were down on the ground which uh, I seem to remember and appreciate. Uh, I'm glad you appreciate it. Now, in terms of the hits, a lot of times if it's a blindsided hit or even a hit from the front, but where I'm stagnant and not moving, those don't hurt as much as maybe one where I'm scrambling out of the way and going up to the line of scrimmage and getting hit. Mm. Like my momentum is going one way and your momentum is also – is yours is going the other way and we meet. Usually I'm not going to win that one. And so the two worst hits I ever took, 
uh, London Fletcher. We were playing in, I was with Buffalo 2011 in Toronto and I changed the protection and I shouldn't have. And London Fletcher came unobstructed to me and broke six of my ribs. Mm. Uh, luckily I threw the pass. It was completed. It went for like 50 yards to Fred Jackson, who's my favorite teammate of all time. And it was a two minute warning. So I kind of like crawled up and couldn't breathe, but I didn't have to come out of the game because the two minute warning, that one was ridiculous. And then James Harrison was the other one. So I think both those guys, hard headed, low center of gravity. And I was going towards them while they were coming towards me. And so. kind of linebacker types. Like, I feel like the bigger a dude is the, the less good he is at like lining up a kill shot. We just kind of hit you however we can. Like, especially a guy who's not that athletic like me, I'm going to just get there and try to hit you. But those guys, they like know how and when. So that makes sense to me. It makes a lot of sense to me. You mentioned Bulger, Jamie Martin, and then Jeff Smoker. Could this have all not have happened? Were there days in camp in 05 where it's like, damn, Jeff Smoker, you're really throwing a tight spiral right now. Smoking it. Yeah. Well, I, I'll say – so that year, I mean, I was the fourth string guy pretty much all of training camp. And I got put into a game, a preseason game, and I threw, like, closed my eyes and just threw a bomb to Kevin Curtis. And I think that game I was one for one for 75 yards and a touchdown or something. And that kind of changed the trajectory of my career because I don't know that I would have made that team. Um, and then the next year, Scott Linehan comes in and brings in his guy, Dave Ragone from Louisville. And so that was really dicey. Uh, Dave and I are best buddies now, but at the time really didn't like each other. And if Dave could have thrown a spiral that uh, training camp, I might not be in the league still. <laughs> they uh, struggled with the spiral that, that off season. Last question. And then we'll let you go, man. Uh, thanks for the time. The beard post-retirement. What's next for you? whenever that is, and does the beard go with you? I don't know what's next. I mean, I, I found, I don't know if I found my calling, but right now we're 2-0, uh, 13-14 and 0, 13, 14 YMCA basketball, 2-0, and 11-12 YMCA basketball, and then my daughter's 7-18. We're 0-2 right now and struggling to score mm -hmm. points, but um, I, think, I think that may some, be something I do a lot more of the beard. The cool thing about it for me is if I want to become anonymous, I can just shave it off and nobody will know who I am. Hey, Fitzy, thanks for the All time. Right. See you, buddy. Right, later, dudes. Okay. Thank you. Holy smokes. <laughs> How about that video, huh? Wow. How about that slice of the internet that you missed? So what happens with can they can they kill you? I don't know. Bobcat's not gonna kill you. Not you or me. Not Reed. When I let the rabbit out at night, about midnight, we go potty. I would worry about the rabbit and the bobcat. Well, I often think about what am I gonna do when say a fox or a bobcat or a coyote or what have you jumps out and what i'm going to do is is kill it with what 
my hands. You're just going to... You're not going to call your dad? <laughs> That's true. He said if there's an intruder, he calls his dad. But if there's a bobcat, he's got that on lock. I just think dad instinct would kick in, and I would save the rabbit at all costs. But not with an intruder Actually, in your family. I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably kick <laughs> Let's it. stay here for a second. Outdoors is different than indoors. Outdoors, indoors. You're an outdoor conflict guy? Yeah, if it's outdoors, I'll, I will kick the thing that's coming after the rabbit. Okay. What if the intruder, like you go out to your car to grab something at like one in the morning, there's a guy like walking up to your door. He's like, oh, this is awkward. I was coming to break in. You could be like, try the house up the hill. <laughs> nah, we're, we're home tonight. Try again next time. What if he was like, you mind if I break in anyways? Yeah, I would. I would. <laughs> We'll be we'll be away, redacted to redacted. If you want to come back, <laughs> we leave a we where's leave the a, house key? We leave a key under the mat. Yeah, is that where it is? No, we don't even uh, we don't even have a mat. Come to think of it, so you just lied to the uh, intruder. He knows yeah, when you're I'm coming not, back. Anyways, I'm worried about the intruder. Got cameras everywhere. I would just say, like coming off that video. I've always thought that foxes get like a raw end of the deal because we assume that they're like really like foxes are low key larger than you think. And I've always thought bobcats, which you're lucky if you see one in the wild because they're pretty like ghost like. I've always wondered if bobcats were getting a raw deal on the respect end of things because they're actually a lot bigger than than. Well, I thought they were bigger than you think, but the way this like suburban dad just shot put at this thing 15 to 20 feet nothing about a bobcat scares me anymore i'm surprised he id'd it as bobcat so quickly ah uh, was it quick he stared at it in the air for five seconds how how long do you, you need you put one in my hands i'm gonna be like i don't know mountain lion <laughs> really yeah all right let, like, me sh let me show you a bobcat. He's in North Carolina, former home of the Charlotte oh, Bobcats. He, he, really? Mm -hmm. And what's amazing to me is like bobcats have been around for, I don't know, look it up. Decades. Eons. <laughs> At least decades. All it took was like one ring camera and you've got the most famous bobcat of all time. Like not a lot of competition there. DJ Augustine. Well, that was what people had. They, a lot of people were like Gerald Wallace. Oh, damn. Di and, I should have jumped and in on Remember this. who I used to play with, with in 2K all the time was Gerald Wallace. Yeah. And some people say my game is a lot like his game, like uh, Slasher. Not much of a shooter. I get Chuck Person a lot. You do? Yeah, more of a shooter. I think a Mike Dunleavy. For me. Or Kyle Singler. Yeah. Um, I'll take Dunleavy. Yeah, I think Bobcats, like it's unfortunate with this Bob cat did for the entire bobcat community because i think people are just going to be running up on bobcats look at the size of this bobcat yeah scary man yeah you never know what they're going to do that interview was uh good to quite good not because of us nah fitzy's just a low-key chill cat no ego yeah dude no callback intended to cat i know I, was was on the brain. That. I thought that was a lot of fun by the way you think um you think Aaron Rodgers sat a while in 2005, Fitzy, who I think downplayed the fact that he probably wears a lot of the slights on his sleeve. I would. I do think that with Fitzy, it's easy to say, well, you know, he hasn't done quite enough to, to show that he's a franchise guy, but he's always in situations where he has to 
make an impression quickly. He has to play for his contract because it's up soon. Um, think about how many like guys who are, are household names, quarterbacks that we hold to a starter standard that have to reprove themselves over and over again. The way I think about it, he gave uh, Gus Farratt as kind of a, a peer of his due to the fact that Gus played on a bunch of teams. I think Teddy Bridgewater is somebody that in a very different, like in different packaging, you know, a little bit more under control, a little bit more of a game manager, maybe a guy that's not gonna turn the ball over as much, incredibly well-liked, charismatic, and you always want him to get that next opportunity. There's just not many guys. I mean, you think about it, and that's the thing, like people are like, oh, Fitzy's prone to turnovers. Well, what do you do when, you, when you're on a team that needs a bridge or they think they need a bridge? I mean, that team's probably not that great. You gotta make some of that Fitz magic happen. And like I said, your contract's coming up soon. Like, fuck it, let it all hang out. And that's why I love the, that he plays the game the way he plays. Yeah, 27 games under 500 yeah. is his record as a quarterback, which speaks even more to his staying power. I mean, he's always gotten that next job, maybe in part because he's viewed as this great guy to have in the room, and then he ends up getting jobs, winning jobs. And in Miami, Miami's really the the, the bet. I would the, say the lone time where it's like, oh. Well, let me ask you a question. He wouldn't say this. I mean, you know, and I, I was behind it because I think that like B flow. He owned it like there wasn't any gray area. I'm just starting the hot hand and like with an eye to the future, even though the big quarterback change wasn't the hot hand at all. But he was like, listen, this is like the future. So he gives us the best chance to win, whatever. I don't think he gave him the best chance to win. Right. Talking about Tua. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think you're probably right. But the what makes Fitz so cool is that he was able to say, hey, I don't think this is right. And he spoke his mind and yet he totally gets it. Like he has the perspective likely in the moment and after the fact that this is how it's going to work. He was 36, 37 years old, and they just drafted a quarterback in the top 10. And and he said, you know, he loves B-Flow and thinks he'll be successful and didn't agree with that call. That stood out to me. That was one of the coolest things I've heard somebody say, like one of the most mature things I've heard a guy say on this pod that played in the NFL. Like, and it made me feel better about not like cussing out certain coaches and like still talking to them. And I think if there's a coach that I didn't agree with his handling of my career or like my situation team to team, he probably knows that, but I tried not to make it personal. And sometimes I thought like I was weird about that. Fitzy doesn't make it personal either and I feel good about that. So um, I thought that was really cool because listen, People are wrong all the time, and they're going to be wrong about you. Kind of what we said. And um, if you walk around, you know, into every situation, and you wear that, like, there's one thing to wear a chip on your shoulder. But if you apply that, like, confirmation bias of the next person's going to be like the last person, or nobody believes in me, or nobody, like that stuff's cool if you use it right. But I can tell you that if you start to think too negatively of coaches and of like the NFL, it's going to be really hard for you to give your new place a, a chance and. He's got a new place he's got to, you know, prove himself at every year or two. Um, I felt that at the end of my career. It's it's not a good mindset to have. Pretty good setup, it seems like, in D.C., Maryland, yeah, Nor Northern Virginia. Depending on the house. With uh, 
so many weapons and a good defense and a good coach and uh, best of luck to Fitzy. Uh, the team is picking at, I believe, 19 this year. So let's hope for his sake they don't trade up, don't get one of those guys that then again a coach is going to think he has to play well you know listen if they do trade up and try to get like a, a trey lance and they find out in camp that you know like he's got a little work to do i think fitzy would be fine with helping him get there i mean yep. that's your guy that's and what he fitzy, did with Tua. yeah now i i think that anybody you're going to get the first two guys are going to be off the board um a Justin Fields you might think could play right now. A Mac Jones for a contender might think could play right now. I think the consensus is Trey Lance needs time. I think they're going to be a position to pick somebody, if anybody, that needs time, not a guy that you plug in right now. So hopefully for Fitzy, we get to see that year that we've been waiting for, where he gets, the, you know, let's clear the dance floor and let's see if you can get your team to the postseason in a very mortal NFC East. And he was picked in the seventh round. We don't need to always run up and pick first rounders. He said he had been hit hard by a couple of dudes. What's the hardest you've ever been hit? The hardest I've ever been hit. In the pros, I would say Jeremy Zuta. In, uh, and I'll post the video. I was pursuing a play in St. Louis and uh, it was a reverse. So I did my job, closed down the line of scrimmage and see the reverse second level behind the line of scrimmage. So I put my foot in the ground and I just turn up the field to run. And uh, Zuta's coming from 30 yards. Back of the head hits the turf first. Uh, and the thing about those, like Fitzy said, those don't hurt. The ones that hurt are the weird ones. I also got blown up by Maurice Jones-Drew on the sideline in Jacksonville once. I'll try to find those and, and uh, put them in a social. Would they have been blindside hits? Yeah, they were, all, blind, they were all blindside. Well, I don't know if they'd be blindside now. I mean, but yeah, I was a victim. Now, the one that really hurt was, again, it's the one that I, I saw Puller my last year in, in Philly. It was in the Texans game, and it was in like the third or fourth quarter. I saw Puller on a counter. It's a guard. I have no idea who he is. I closed down the line of scrimmage. My job is to just blow him up. I go head-to-head with him. I still, my neck still hurts. I still turn my neck like this. You know what I mean? So it's sometimes, and it looked pretty benign to people, sometimes it is the hits that, that don't look like anything. And Fitzy had the same sentiment at quarterback. Serious question. Do you think put your foot in the ground is an actual technical term? Uh, yeah, doctors use it. Put your foot in the ground. Yeah, just put your foot in the ground and go. Like it's, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like analysts too. Oh, he put his foot in the ground and went downhill. Like it's a flat field. <laughs> Well, sir. Sure. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's just a, it's a it's a colloquialism. Yeah. Is it Collo- colloquial? Colloquialism. Yeah, yeah. That word sucks. Why even use it? What about the uh, the running back from LCA? Near oh, the yeah. Okay, so he hit me really fucking hard. That's good. I forgot that one. Rashad Jennings, which one of the shows that you didn't that you weren't co-hosting. I think I talked about this, but he hit me on the side on the sideline state championship. Last game, senior year, almost get through the whole thing. We're winning, playing well. I'm pursuing a play. And uh, Rashad, just who played 10 years in the league, he was 250 pounds as a fucking running back in high school. This kid hit me so hard, dude, I didn't know what happened. And I couldn't breathe. And I was on the ground, and I was embarrassed because I was like, damn, you know when the wind gets knocked out of you, you know how this is. Yes. It takes like 10 seconds. So... Your job is to not look like you're hurt and just know you're gonna get up in five to 10 seconds. 
the whole thing because it was just me and Rashad Jennings. We were like Godzilla versus King Kong, and you know, of course, you get him sometimes, but he got me in the fourth quarter. Uh, thank God it was inconsequential the outcome, but that was a hard hit. Coolest nickname of all time at quarterback, Fitz Magic. See, but that's more than a nickname to me. That's like a a, a mood, as the kids would say. It's a vibe. It's yeah, an yeah. aura. Rest in peace. Pillsbury throw boy. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Actually, uh, competition over. Rest in peace. It's simple, but Air McNair. Mm. And then the sheriff for Peyton, I feel like it wasn't said very much during his career, but it's a good one, the sheriff. Broadway Joe. I'm looking at a quiz right now. The gunslinger. Is? I don't know. Yeah. RG3. Robert Griffin III. Deflate Gate. Tom Brady. That's not even a nickname, dude. What the fuck is this site? Amish Rifle. I think that is Ryan Fitzpatrick. It is, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think that might be low-key cooler than Fitzmagic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm good. Pillsbury Throwboy for me is, is probably number yeah. one upon closer look. In that interview, I really wanted to say spinning it when talking about Jeff Smoker, and it just didn't come to me. All right, so this week we do have a combine, as Macon was complaining about earlier. As uh, Macon was informed of a few man, minutes ago. I am past giving a fuck about you being informed about anything. Like, join the fucking group. Um, good to have you on board. Thanks. Um, <laughs> what a warm welcome. Yeah, well, uh, we do have a, a, a combine tomorrow. We're going to be out here in the Virginia heat, exploding our hamstrings, rupturing our Achilles, Probably, like, what are the odds on us rupturing an Achilles? Hadn't thought about it, and I'll be worried about it. Probably will do it. Any workers' comp? <laughs> God. Probably not. I'm going to be your worst nightmare if I rupture an Achilles. If you rupture your Achilles, I'll pay for whatever the surgery is. Okay. What are we doing? The- so, I guess, we're, what should we do? The 40? Yep. Obviously, that's the, the hallmark of the, the whole thing. We're going to do a vertical somehow. Your labrum. You know you can reach with your left hand. I know, but I don't. Yeah, he's losing a good three inches on the because of the labral tear here. That's a legit thing. It's hard to it's hard to fake that. So we're gonna do forty. We're gonna do vert. We're gonna do short shuttle. Stick our foot in the ground. Okay, go downhill. How nice. well does Macon stick his foot in the ground? Three cone, which I am really worried about. I don't think I'm gonna be very good there. I've got great ankle flexion, so I'm actually Could excited. Be a pass rusher. I'm excited to show my skills during that particular drill. And I have the broad jump here. Oh, boy, do you? Yeah. So we're gonna do some combine interviews too Friday. So you guys are gonna enjoy. We're gonna we're gonna interview Reed like we're thinking about drafting Reed. We're gonna interview each other. Just build a psychological profile. Um, plus a great guest. So we'll read the results of this combine that's happening tomorrow on on friday reed you want to take guesses uh this is turning into a good little show here this podcast yeah i like this podcast yeah, it's a good podcast yeah yeah it's almost over no i in general the, yeah. the green light uh podcast oh the just the you. podcast in general yeah, yeah like it's an, it's entertaining it's, oh, it's good content <laughs> thank you yeah not I bad i appreciate that they, you're welcome he's trying to butter me up because i pit, he pissed me off earlier oh no i I'm fine. I'm fine. Just pissing me off and leaving. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good show. Reed, do you think it's entertaining? <laughs> this is fabulous. Okay, yeah. Reed, what are we going to run tomorrow? Uh, we're running a 40, and we're trying to we, – we got some feelers out for Coach Wookie to be our 
referee. So Wookie's going to be back. Reed, for running a 40, what are you setting the over-under at um, with Macon and with myself? And just so you know, I am slow. Like, I know you see 6'3", good-looking, 175, you figure fast, not fast. Not fast. Slow. I'll give you over-under 5'4". Is that slow? Okay. I'm taking the Way over. Slow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking the over. Yep. Me too. Uh, Chris, 5'2. Okay. I'll take the under on that. You think I'm two tenths of a second slower than he is? Oh, you're going to be <laughs> blown away. Dude, I'm pretty fucking slow, dude. Um, and this is my biggest fear about this thing. And honestly, I'm kind of an open book with stuff, but maybe not with. Um, Maybe not with my 40 time. I will tell you. I plan on telling you. If I can just run a 5 flat or even a 5-1, that's great. Like This is a no-practice combine. We haven't sprinted. When's the last time you sprinted? Mm, high school. Okay. I mean, no. You, you said you plan on telling people? Yeah, I'm going to tell people my 40. Okay. You, you just said plan. You, you used the word plan. Well, if I don't tell them, I'm going to say it's the worst thing you've ever heard, and that's the one thing I can't tell you. Because you got to realize this fall, people might call. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Somebody gets hurt and wants to give me $3 million to come in and and rush the passer and not practice every day um, and give me my own locker. This is probably your I'll last. The window is probably closing this year. It probably is, but yeah. I'm thinking maybe at like, uh, well, Fitzy's 38. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to share like a 5-5. Five, five. So if, you, if, if I come in on Friday and I say, hey, I don't want to talk about the 40, it was probably a 5-5. Five, five. Okay there's a good chance we get hurt but if we don't get hurt on the 40 and maybe we should save that to the end we're gonna do a vertical leap uh over under i'm saying making 25 making 25 that's that's from john the wizard of oz has spoken we've uh i think that's pretty realistic um i really can and i also on the 40 i have you at six six is the over under okay and i'm gonna take the under i think you're gonna slide in there under six john says 25 inches for vert I'm taking the under on that. Not in a good way. So good way on the 40, bad way here for me. Um, John, what do you have for me on the vert? 30 even. I would be impressed if I could still jump a 30. That's good. Uh, and listen, if I explode my Achilles, you guys just have to count it. Because technically, it's all the same. Uh, short shuttle, I don't even know what a good time is there anymore. Neither do I. Do you recall our uh, presidential fitness test? No. Like, like middle school? No. Fit, like national physical? No. Uh, yeah. No, we had one of those? It, well, this was at the school uh, I attended prior to the one I attended to with you. So maybe you didn't. Reed, do you remember physical fitness, national president? Yeah, I do. If you did well enough, you got one of those presidential patches. Yeah. Oh, boy. Put them and, on it, their and it was like sit-ups and pull-ups yeah. and how far you could stretch your freaking... I hated yep. that. I'm getting the same sort of... Feeling. Stress, anxiety from yeah. this as I did that. This is going to be actually awful. Sounded like a good idea a couple weeks ago. Okay. This sucks. Cr- Chris, some context, your short shuttle in your draft was 4.21 seconds. Okay, I'm probably going to be 4.6, I think. Okay. Are we doing anything else? Are we... Uh, oh, we're going we're gonna to do a broad jump, too. But, like, any, any ball skills? Oh, do you want to do ball skills? I'd love to. As noted, you know, I can't really throw. Well, I'm not a good thrower either. Yeah, I would like to get that on tape. Olympics are coming up this summer. We'll do, like, an all-sports, like, just general athleticism-like okay. thing. And then one of these days I'll repair my shoulder and we can do all of this again. Oh, that's good. Yeah. 
Um, so look out for the combine, which is coming up, uh, and we'll have the results for you on Friday. Anything else, Mike? Got a hot tub update coming for you. Oh, good. Coming in hot for you. Well, the issue isn't really the hot tub, it's the decking. Y'all take care. (laughs) 